Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello and welcome to our preview of uh, Aston Villa versus West Bromwich Albion. Coming up on Sunday, I'm James Rushton. That's Joe Chapman. Today, we're here to uh, talk you through uh, the upcoming West Midlands derby. But Joe, how are you getting on? Big big week for baggies. Oh, it's taken it out of me, James, to be honest with you. Um, wasn't prepared for it. We've got the January window on our doorstep and we've got... Um, you know, a derby that we was already penciled in and uh, to kind of top things off, we've got a second and an appointment in the same day. So all those things, you know, and, 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 and an unveiling and it's, yeah, couldn't be any busier at this point in the, uh, in the year. So I guess the, the first thing we need to talk about is Billich's departure. I mean, I think I speak for us both when we say like he, he seemed to be a fairly well-respected and especially well-liked guy at the Hawthorne so what happened there what led to me I mean we know the results you know the wins were hard to come by this year um, even in the late stages of the championship but you know what what happened there because uh, I think from the outside perspective a lot were a lot of people were shocked even even with the results yeah. yeah it's 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 happened before it's quite similar to the Darren Moore one I think really a lot of people from from outside looking in would think what on yeah. earth are they doing as a football club I think you've probably got to go back almost to the beginning of 20, 2020, uh, maybe even just after Christmas last year, where the results really took a downward turn. They got themselves back on track with a couple of signings in the January window. Callum Robinson was one of the really, really key signings that they made last last winter. And there was a bit of an upturn. I think they won five or six games in February and he won the Manager of the Month award. And then lockdown came. and I don't think that really worked in his favour because they were on a bit of a run again. And it just set them back. The players didn't come back with the same vigour. And, and, you know, if you were following the Championship last season, mm-hmm. you'll have known all about Brentford's run and and the way that they were kind of hot on the heels of Albion throughout. So all things considered, they did kind of limp over the line. And then, of course, you know, we're not so lucky as uh, our dear neighbours at Villa and Wolves. We haven't got an owner that's going to throw yeah. hundreds of millions of pounds at it. So we were told, basically or rather the, the board at Albion were told, you've got to work what you've got. And people assume, well, a club like that's going to get 100 odd million quid in promotion money, but it very quickly is frittered away with, you've got to take into account the loss of revenue that they've had to cope with in the last nine or 10 months. Then you've got the fact that um, there were promotion bonuses for the for the players and the staff. It left them with about 20, 25 million quid that they could really spend there. And then they've been, and, and Billich, would put his foot down and said, you know, I want to bring these low knees back, including Robinson, Pereira, Dean Garner, you know, all of them were back together. And so they left you with very, very little in, by way of money to spend throughout the current the current squad that they've got. I actually think they've probably put up quite a decent fight. Uh, and certainly when you compare them to Sheffield United, they've, they've put up more of a fight, certainly. And I think it's easy. You can look at the cold, hard numbers, which is what the club have had to do one win in 17 games spanning two seasons is not going to get you very far. So they've got seven points from the first 13 games. They clearly think that, and certainly Luke Dowling, the technical director at the unveiling yesterday, said we need to move now because we wanted Sam Allardyce 
we left it another month or so, Sam might have got a job elsewhere. So we had to move now and they did so. And it sounds really ruthless. And, you know, on the back of that city, city point that they got the other night, it sparked the reaction that it, that it got, which was Albion fans who are absolutely uh, overwhelmingly uh, annoyed with this appointment and not appointment, but the sacking. And a lot of them have been pretty underwhelmed with the appointment. Allardyce has got mm. a great track record, but when you think of everything, you take everything into consideration. You look at the the uh, the style of football, perceived style of football that he that he adopts. The fact that he's you know got Wolves links, those kind of things have kind of gone against him immediately before he's even walked through the door. So um, I'm sure a win over Villa on Sunday would uh, certainly work in his favour. <laughs> well, certainly from my perspective, I uh, hope not, but. Um... Short time for Sam Allardyce to kind of turn things around. Look, he is a massively experienced manager, a massively experienced coach. He's been around the block, so to speak. He's been, you know, at Bolton, West Ham. He's been, he's he's managed. He's been in this situation, especially with Sunderland as well. You know, the great escape they managed to pull off. So he's been in this situation before. He knows what to do. I know. There's only a short little bit of turnaround from his appointment to the Villa game. So what can he, you know, impact in that short time? Do Villa fans that would they would Villa as well expect a different backers team from the one he turned up and played so well against uh, Man City? It's very very difficult to really see what he can do significantly. I've got to be honest. He said that as much pretty much at his press conference yesterday. You know, it was a case of we've just got to kind of hope that there's a bit of a bounce from the players, just based on the fact that there's been a change of management alone. Because we see that a lot of the time. You see managers when they're appointed and they might be in the stands before they've been appointed and the players just turn up, the players kind of play and as if they know that they've got a, a new man to impress, that they've got to try and all of a sudden play just that little bit better for, to keep their shirt. And so that's what I would expect from Albion. They've got a few players missing that I think will play big parts throughout the course of the season uh, on Sunday. So they're going to have to deal with those. But generally speaking, you, you, you want to see it. And, Bottom line is, whether it was Billich or Allardyce in charge, it's Aston Villa, you know, it's a local derby. It's their first local derby of the season. Yeah. It's at home, albeit there's no fans there. So you'd want to see that anyway. You'd want to see that extra edge to their game, uh, regardless of who was who was in charge in, in the dugout, or in, or in Allardyce's case, uh, up above in the gantry. So again, from a, a Villa perspective, the last time we played was that... that, that segment of semi-final games uh, that led to Villa's promotion and um, for me it's, it was a nightmarish two games because you had the heroics of the first leg then the, the nightmare that the second was it was the, that second leg was absolute torture and I know that Villa did come out on top but you know everyone went through the finger in that one it went to the last minute dramatic penalty shootout where almost anything that could happen happened bar people getting sent off during the, the actual shootout so it's a, is it a different Albion team now that we're seeing now from that team what's changed in the meantime what, what can we expect yeah they freshened things up last summer so last summer they obviously players like um well that team really that, that actually took part in that penalty shootout mm. you can't make excuses but it was so unrecognisable because Gale was missing, because Robson Carney was missing, Brunt had been sent off, Rodriguez had been subbed off, Phillips had been subbed off. They had no attackers that were taking part in that penalty shootout. It was infuriating knowing that Villa were making changes to take penalties. <laughs> so that was really, really frustrating. So you look back at that, that general squad that maybe didn't play in that particular game, but it, over the course of that season, they had to deal with Rodriguez and, and Gale being missing. Uh, in terms of the goals, they actually were just a little bit more thrifty, I thought, in terms of the actual players they went after. They went and signed Darnell Furlong, who was an actual out-and-out right-back, something they didn't really have before. He's been good. 
generally speaking, he's been good over the course of the last 18 months. Shemi Ajayi is somebody that I've got really, really high hopes for in terms of his long-term future. He's a centre-half that he was man of the match for me, or, or certainly one of the key performers at Man City the other night, but he's still only 25, 26 years old. He's got a big, big future in the game, I think, at this level. Uh, you know, so yeah, it was very, very clear that the the goals that were missing from Rodriguez and Gale had to be spread around more evenly across the course, uh, around the squad. And they did that, you know, Dean Garner chipped in, Pereira chipped in, um, Austin and Robson Carnu got 10 or 11 apiece. So, yeah, there wasn't an out-and-out striker. They still haven't got that striker. They're still waiting for Carlin Grant to really catch fire, you know, and, and, and get a bit of a return on the efforts that they put into getting him, which took pretty much all summer. So, there'd be no better time than uh, than on Sunday to kind of impress the manager and and down Villa in the process. That, that would be nice. But, I mean, yeah, I suppose, generally speaking, they just seem a little bit more together, I think, I think the the Albion team, the Albion fan base certainly last season took to them more. And speaking to Carl Bartley, who is one of the injured players on Sunday, he said as much last last season to me in an interview. He said, "This squad here is more collective." The season before, it was about individuals. How can I, you know, basically get a top flight move rather than let's work to get West Bromwich Albion back to the top flight. So I think that's something that's that's really really kind of worked in their favour. There definitely seems to be a unity there. Speaking of that unity, then they'll probably need that to kind of stop uh, a free-flowing attack in Villa side. But what looks like in the start of the season, anyway, mm-hmm. to be a team that will attack at will. I think mean, yesterday Burnley weren't able to stop Villa having twenty-seven attempts on goal, and look, Villa didn't score. But I can't see that kind of match happening over and over again where Villa don't score. So if West Brom were to say let Villa have twenty-five, twenty shots on goal unchallenged, there's a high chance they'll score. So what can what will West Brom do to stop Villa? What will they do to stop Jack Grealish, I guess? Well, it'll be interesting actually in the way they set up because in Billich's last game against Man City they set up differently. So for pretty much the whole of the season, bar one or two games, they've gone with the back three and it didn't work at Newcastle. Branislav Ivanovic had a bit of a nightmare so he got dropped at City. Bartley being injured meant that he only really had two centre-halves that he was going to consider. So they went with a back four. And Ajayi and Daro Shea, who's another very, very young defender, were both brilliant. They were both absolutely magnificent. And of course, when you go to a place like Man City, you've got to go and deal with players like, uh, you know, Aguero came off the bench. They had players like Sterling and Foden and De Bruyne. You need a bit of luck. And Sam Johnston was incredible. But I think if you're kind of going forwards, you'd want to see more of that, I think, Certainly, the impact Allardyce can have. You want to see more disruption in the midfield. I think Albion is something that has been aimed at them this season by way of criticism is that they've been probably too easy to play against. They've missed a Claudio Jakob-type player who would really, really be a pain in the backside for any creative midfielders, You know, who wouldn't wouldn't stray away from the, his, his, his two centre-halves. He would just stay there and protect them. And that's something that they're missing. You know, Romain Sawyers has been asked to do that job and Jake Livermore's been asked to do that job, but they're not naturals at it. So that's going to be something they're really going to have to overcome. I don't know whether that's something Allardyce is going to address in January, but it will be it'll be interesting to see how exactly they set up as a, as a midfield. Conor Gallagher's been wonderful since he signed on loan from Chelsea. But again, he's not that kind of player. He's got too much energy. He wants to get up and down the pitch. And, and you know, he's added a couple of goals to his game recently. So... That'll be something they've got to overcome uh, 
in 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 the short term. I think, and, and certainly looking on Sunday, Grealish and um, and you know the other midfielder, Ross Barkley, whether he's going to be fit or not, we don't know. So that's something they're going to have to do. I think just disrupt that that flow of Villa because I know that Villa man man for man are a better side and will have will have opportunities over the course of ninety minutes. Just, there's just no way they won't. So. Yeah, there'll be a bit of luck needed. Johnston, I'm, I'm, I've been no doubt as, as as he has with every game this season, will be called into action. It's more, um, it, it, it's more just kind of basically how they can cope with that over the course of ninety. Who's the main man for Albion? Then? And I guess if there's no particular main man at the moment, who is the the not necessarily the hidden gem, but who would have Sam Allardyce have seen in the back of his training sessions and identified as someone who can probably come in, not necessarily from the shadows, but come in to have a major impact that who probably didn't so in Bilic's team. Uh, I mean, yeah, there were there were one or two players that were pretty frozen out under Bilic. And then, rather ironically, they were a couple of players that actually got a look in again, uh, mm. just 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 as he was about to to um, be sacked. So, I mean, before two weeks ago, Charlie Austin and Camille Grzycki hadn't kicked the Premier League ball this season. So, um, that they're 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 two players that have all of a sudden got a fresh lease of life, I suppose, in terms of an opportunity to play. Sam Fields. Going back to my point about disrupting uh, rhythms of, of opponents, Sam Fields a potential midfielder that could come in, uh, provided he's fully fit again, because he's had a few injury problems recently. He could potentially be that person in midfield that sits deepest and, and breaks up the play. And then, of course, you've got, in terms of defenders, and I, I said about this earlier with the defenders that Billich was picking from, there is Cedric Kipper as well, who was a mm. shining light in the Wigan team that went down. And he hasn't played a Premier League game either. And you've got Kenneth Zahor, who's out on loan until January at Millwall. So there are, you know, a handful of players there that all of a sudden have got another opportunity to impress a manager, uh, provided that Allardyce goes in there with no airs or graces and just says, everybody's got a chance, everybody starts playing and I'll pick um, on merit. Um, I've got to ask you about Callum Robinson because there's a few former villains that have uh, turned up at the Hawthorns, haven't they, recently? Gareth, I know Gareth Barry's no longer there, but of course Sam mm. Johnson seems to be dealing very well with uh, anything thrown at him. But um, talking about goalkeepers can be fairly boring, even if we mention in Johnson and, and Martinez. So I want to talk about Callum Robinson, someone who can be a bit more dynamic. Has he been getting on since he's... Because he moved for a record fee to Sheffield United and then he came across to Albion, which seems a bit crazy. And now he seems to have found a home. Yeah, I think that was one of the uh, really, really decent signings of the summer, actually, for Albion as regards to the value. In that they basically just traded him with Oliver Burke, who was a complete flop, who just never worked. It was a very expensive signing as well. It never really took off at all in the time he was at Albion. And it just it just worked. Robinson was more than happy to come back. He knew he was going to get an opportunity to play in the Premier League, something that wasn't the case at Sheffield United systems that Albion had adopted over the course of the six months he was in the championship suited him better. So there was, you know, there was an obvious role for him in the team. He's a very, very bubbly character. I mean, you know, he is somebody that is very, very likable um, besides what he actually offers on the pitch. I think he's a very, very positive influence in the dressing room and on the training pitch. Uh, And certainly before games, you know, you can hear him kind of, uh, he's just a character, you know, before a game, you know, he's somebody that makes his teammates laugh. Uh, and, the, and, the, and the coaching staff. Uh, so he's been a very welcome addition, I think. Somebody that he's a good age, you know, he's on a long contract now at Albion. He's got a real opportunity to, to kind of put down some roots, I think. Um, 
Why do you think it never really worked out at Villa then, James? I mean, if we're looking back at that time, I realise they were a Premier League team, but they were a Premier League team that were on the down. And you wonder now, in hindsight, as it is a great thing, whether he might have had more of a chance under, I think, was it Sherwood at the time? Yeah, I think it was that it's, he was in pre-season as well, scoring a few goals, and you know he never got got a chance. Everyone was kind of highly rating him, not not necessarily alongside Jack Grealish, but as someone who could perform in an area Villa were kind of weak in. But I guess it benefited the player to go. Like Villa were never going to use him for whatever reason. I never used many youth talents very well. You saw even Daniel Johnson go to Preston for mm-hmm. fifty grand, and then he's you know, do, doing well in the, the championship. And Villa then land at that level, and they're looking at players like Daniel Johnson just a few years later. So kind of the short-termism, I guess he was a victim of. But yeah, no, I think um, he would have made an impact, but that would have been because Villa would have went down and by necessity he'd have been put in the team. But, you know, as with all Villa players, I'm really glad that even people like Nathan D'Alfonso is still involved in the game, getting paid to play football. So it is good to see people like, you know, Barry Bannon, even Gary Garner to some extent. I know he's at the Blues, but, you know, Callum Robinson doing well as well. You know, even loan players like Sam Johnson. It's good to see people who've come through Villa carry on playing elsewhere or come through the academy making you know having a career in football so it's uh, you know very encouraging to see especially with our two academies and someone I need, I need to mention and is uh, Louis Barry because I don't think we've had the chance to speak face to face on the, the podcast about everything that's happened from Baggies to Barcelona to Villa and now he's ripping it up in the under 18s I know he's not he's not going to be involved at all on Sunday so there's not going to be any kind of drama involved in that but I wanted to just pick your brain on that what from your Baggies perspective how, how did that all go down? Um, yeah, like a lead balloon, as you probably imagine. I think, to be yeah. honest with you, I don't really think. I mean, yeah, the Villa thing was perhaps they took advantage of a situation that's totally, you know, mm. good, luck to them, good luck to them. But I think with Barcelona, thing just drove you mad last year. You know, I still don't even know if Albion have even been given the compensation yet because Barcelona are just this kind of global entity that feel that they can kind of almost just take players off other football clubs without really having to worry about any... It's it's spare change to them as well, what they'd be getting, um, what they'd be giving Albion in, as regards to Barcelona. Mm. But it's more the principle, I think, isn't it? It's more you don't want to be seen to be bullied, you know, for, for yeah. academy players. So the money itself, it, it was, you know, negligible in, in footballing terms. But I think generally it, it's, it's pretty great. And of course, Albion aren't the only victims of that either. Mm. Barcelona have done that before, but... He's somebody that, of course, Villa know all about now, don't they? You know, with kind of West Bromwich Albion Academy light at Bodymore Heath now. Um, so they know all about exactly his talents. And he's yeah. somebody that I don't, I have no doubt at all, has got a big, big future because he, 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 you know, put the ball in front of him in the penalty area. He, he scored a bucket of other goals. Well, going back to um, Sunday's match, I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on uh, how Villa have progressed under Dean Smith in your eyes. Because I know, I yeah. remember when we've talked before, he was up for that the Albion job and when Darren Moore was going for it. Am I he correct was. in saying that? Yeah, so was, yeah. how, how has that progressed in your eyes? I think it's been it's a match made in heaven, isn't it, really? Yeah. Look look from the outside looking in. I know there have been bumps in the road, of course. You know, the money that's been spent, the more expect there's expectations at a club like Villa. But ultimately, you've got it's a bit of a dream scenario, isn't it? You've got a captain, you've got a manager who are died in the wall for Villa fans and they're both representing their club which seems to be on the up I think the ownership's been something that's um, been a huge success so far I think besides just putting money into the squad I think you know you look at I saw the news the other day about the plans for the academy and you know that look that tells you that they're a 
they're a football club that are looking long term, which is very very uh, positive way forward. I think with with Dean Smith, yeah, I like Dean Smith. I do I do like Dean Smith. I think he's um, I think he's a very very talented manager. I think he's a very very talented coach. What I've been impressed with is how he's managed to address the problems I think that there were last season that would have otherwise have, have cost Villa um, their Premier League status. So, you know, the transfer window has been a bit hit and miss and I know it's not been all his way. You know, there are, there are a bit of a recruitment team going on there. But the defence, I think that was something I was going to ask you about. I really, all of a sudden, I know Albion don't score many goals, but all of a sudden Villa are a different proposition, aren't they, defensively? They're not a team that are going to give goals away, certainly not as easily as, as they would have done 12 months ago. No, I think I'll go to kind of, again, the Burnley match yesterday. There's a chance that they make all the time, which is like, you know, a diagonal from the wing. It seems to be the right flank to Chris Wood, who rises up, header to the top corner. Whether he's in the six-yard box in the penalty on the penalty spot, he's scoring that kind of eight times out of ten. I mean, you saw a version of it in the match last season, uh, Villa versus Burnley, where he just nods it past Tom Heaton. There's nothing they can do. They score that goal. They get the 1-0 win, the, the smash and grab 1-0 win, because that's what Burnley can do. Um, yesterday didn't happen. They had that chance. And, you know, Villa, Courtney Hawes can win everything aerial. He, he managed to kind of disrupt Wood. Wood still got the header off, and it was a good header. And again, Emmy Martinez saved it. I know we said speaking about goalkeepers is boring, but, you know, I can't speak highly enough of Emiliano Martinez because mm. he has been fantastic. I didn't think you'd need to buy another goalkeeper, let alone 20 million on a goalkeeper. Martinez has changed my mind, opinion on that completely. He has transformed Villa at the back. And you know, his leadership, the distribution, the handling, the shot stopping, all the whole package, it goes so well with players like Tyrone Mings, who gets a lot of slack because he can be too casual on the ball. He can make errors, but nine times out of ten, he's the one captain in the Villa side from the back he can see everything mm. and he's always making sure everyone knows what where they need to be even if he's you know overstepping the mark himself he's, he's letting everyone know what they need to do and where they need to be so it's what that organization that you know even on the flanks Matt targets vocal as well surprisingly it's something I picked up yesterday when I was at the game they're always communicating always talking in a way that isn't never usually happened they're, they're all telling each other you know they're all probably overstepping their mark and telling each other exactly what they think of them where they need to be so that vocal that you know the communication has been so key for Villa as mm. well as the ability I mean Esri Cons was fantastic until the illness Courtney Horse comes in wins everything aerial commanding game could have won the game so Villa's defence I mean the coaching involved in that to get the players comfortable on the ball get them speaking to each other it's been from the top to bottom fantastic again it can be exploited we've seen that but yeah uh, can't if we're speaking highly of Villa scoring goals um, we need to speak highly of Villa being then kind of solid at the back as well which is really nice for once you I suppose it's a bit of a almost a last season there's been a hell of a bad you know bout of bad luck for Tom Heaton hasn't it because he seemed for me from the outside looking and he seemed to me the solution to the ongoing mm. goalkeeper problem that they had Whereas Martinez seems to have really kind of taken that to another level. And I know that, you know, Johnston, who I think you could probably stop the polls already now. I think Johnston will be Albion's player of the season already because he's he's been absolutely phenomenal. He seems to have gone up a level this season um, in, in better company. He probably would have been a Villa player, wouldn't he? But for that, that summer. Yeah. So, I mean, it feels like, yeah, you're right. You're probably talking goalkeepers, maybe not the most glamorous position on the pitch and, perhaps don't always get the credit they deserve, but you think, well, actually, we've got two goalkeepers that are going to be playing on Sunday that are both at a certain level. 
Well, if you look at the way the game might go, if you're if you're talking about what we're talking about, that like Villa will attack, they might play like they did yesterday, they might have the lion's share of the chances. That means that either at end, the goalkeeper has to step up to prevent that narrative, either it's Martinez, mm. if Baggies have, you know, a handful of shots on target, um, no no disrespect intended at all. But if they have that handful of shots on target and want, you know, Martinez has to be on the top, he might not be doing anything all game, might face three in the 90th minute and he has to stop all of them and they could come from absolutely anywhere. Whereas Johnson at the other end has to do what he's done all season, which is just keep on top of it as much as he can yeah. do which he, he's done fantastic the save against Man City the other day it's you know peak Sam Johnston we really didn't get on very well with Sam Johnston when he first joined because we, we bought PLG Galini in thought he was going to be the next big thing Sam Johnston comes in all of a sudden and he doesn't perform brilliantly but then he had you know he, he his loan spells extended we we begin to love him and then he has to depart and then he goes to Albu and plays against us in the playoff. Mm. So it's a, that, all drama, but look, I think it, it, we did say speaking about goalkeepers isn't the most fashionable thing. It could be very boring, but goalkeepers mm. make the difference as, as we see all the time. It's a shame Villa weren't able to test Nick Pope too much yesterday. I hope they test Sam Johnson a lot, lot more. But Joe, before we go, need to get a prediction from you. Uh, Villa yep. versus Baggies. How do you think it's going to go, mate? Uh, I mean, it's not the... It's not the eleven that I would have in terms of Albion because I know they've got three or four players that I'm sure would play. So it's a shame that at least until they go to Villa Park later in the season, they're not going to have a fully strength team. Mm. I've still got a, I've still got a side with Albion. I still think that Allardyce could have an immediate impact. He's done it before, where you know I think this first game in charge of um, Sunderland, they beat Newcastle with Allardyce in charge, if I'm not mistaken. So you know he kind of knows what it is to be a to win a derby in his first game in charge. It's a shame about the fans not being there. I think Albion, who looked good defensively the night, are going to have to hold Villa at bay. I don't think they score many goals. I'm going to I'm going to tip them to nick a one 0 win. I'm going to go. To, I'll flip that over. Then I'll go the one nil uh, win for Villa, and I make it difficult because they might have a, a bag full of shots. But I think they, they're not going to. They haven't got the finish on them at the moment. They need to kind of get a lot more comfortable shooting. Hopefully, they have uh, 27 more shots to uh, practice <laughs> their uh, to get their shooting boots on. But yeah, Joe, thank you so much for joining us today. I think that's it for now. So we'll uh, catch up after Sunday, I guess, and uh, the, the next instalment of the uh, West Midlands derby. One of the highlights of the uh, fixture list for Villa fans and Ambagis fans of course it's uh, always yeah. nice to have a proper local derby not this Villa vs Wolves rubbish where it gets, there's no rivalry there but yeah um, nice to have you on Joe thank you so much for coming Thanks, on yeah, thank, you all for, thank you all for listening as well so uh, cheers and we'll catch you later thank you for listening to Claret and Blue an Aston Villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode until then up the villa up the villa